Journey to Organization, episode 76, What I've Learned from 929. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to Journey to Organization. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagumbigon Personal Organization, and today I want to tell you about something I started a few months ago and what I'm learning. You see, I started this thing, this program, called 929. And for those of you who don't know what 929 is, I'll explain. It's actually a learning program where you learn uh, daily chapters of Tanakh, Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketuvim. And basically, from Sunday to Thursday, you do a chapter a day. You have the option to catch up over Shabbat if you're a little behind. I sometimes get behind. I don't get to it every day, but in general, I'm pretty on top of things. Um, right now, we're in uh, Parshat Bishalach, or just finishing up Bishalach by the time you hear this. And I'm up to the part where the Jews are in the desert, and they're starting to get the man from heaven. And of course, you know, I've learned all about this at some point when I was in school. But what was interesting to me now is that uh i don't know i guess it just it it comes to you in a new way when you're learning it again as an adult but the whole thing that's interesting to me now is how the jews exited from egypt um and the whole way that they were in the desert and the first thing that i want to do today is Instead of doing the listener question at the end of the talk, I want to do it at the beginning because it's relevant to what I learned this week and I I want to share it with you. So it was, you know, really nice coinciding of the two (laughs) things that I'm doing. So um, a lady called me and asked me a question um, and she said, you know, I have a few decorative things in my kitchen, like some fake flowers on a few shelves. And in between the pass through between my kitchen and my dining room, I have some really pretty ceramic birds. And she said that she feels like these items bring warmth to her home and it makes her home feel more like like a home. And I I totally get that. She so her question, you're probably like, well, what's the question? There's no question, right? So the question was was do you think that these things you know are totally unnecessary? And, you know, I don't disagree. I think that, you know, some things in the home do make it feel like home, like there are personal items that you have in your home that make it feel more homey. But I want to just sort of circle back to that in a minute. Right now, I want to go back to Sefer Shemot and, and tell you like a few things that I learned. And then I'll circle back to the answer to this question, because I think that it's all connected. So, for me, while I was reading it, that there were a few contradictory messages that I got from a basic cursory reading of the text surrounding the time when the Jews exit Egypt and are wandering in the desert. And I'm not sure if contradictory is really the best word, but I kind of feel like the messages are a tiny bit mixed. So when the Jews are about to leave Egypt, they take the opportunity during the plague of darkness to see what the Egyptians have in their homes. And they're instructed not to take anything, and they don't, but when... Uh, Pharaoh finally frees them, they go back to the Egyptians and they ask them for all the things that they had sort of 
scene when they, you know, cased their houses in the darkness, which I thought was really weird. They had like cased these houses, not to steal anything, but to be like, I know what you have. And it seemed just sort of like strange, like not really good manners. Like when you, you know, go to someone's home and you look through all their stuff. <laughs> if you're a guest and you're looking through all the drawers, right? To me, it was interesting that God wanted them to have all of these material things. And we know ultimately it's used to serve God when the Jews make the Mishkan. Um, that was holding the, um, it was the traveling ark that was holding the tablets that Moshe brought down from Sinai. But the reason I'm touching on this is because I actually saw a video this week <laughs> by a guy named Nas who does these videos called Nas Daily. And in the videos, he showed different, uh, they're like one minute videos. And in this, this particular video, he showed uh, different religions and how their institutions around the world are very like ornate. And he, he made a point that said that, you know, maybe it would be better to spend all the money we spend on building churches and mosques and, and synagogues to use to feed the poor people, right? But I kind of, I kind of disagree. I mean, I haven't been in too many um, synagogues that have been overly opulent, at least the ones that are used day to day in, in most ordinary places. Most of them I find are, are fairly modest. Um, I mean, of course, I've been to like older ones that are, are more fancy, but even so, I don't think that, you know, they're so overtly fancy, but I feel like the physical, the place, the physical place that you pray, if it has physical beauty, it definitely enhances um, our prayers. And I think that having stuff isn't always wasteful. I think that especially in a house of worship, it needs to be beautiful and inspiring. It doesn't need to break the bank, but I definitely think there is some merit to having it look really, really beautiful. And the reason why I'm bringing this up just in general is because I feel like sometimes people maybe get the wrong idea about me that I don't like things that are aesthetically pleasing. It's not true. I'm not against things that are aesthetically pleasing. I like them. <laughs> My background's in design and sometimes it's really, really hard for me to, you know, um, really um, mix the two, the minimalist with the with the design aspect of things. I love good design. I really appreciate good design. Um, sometimes I definitely buy, will buy things because I like one design over the other type of design. If I think the design is better, I'll definitely always support the design I think is better. But I, I want to just say that like the things that the Jews took in Egypt, it was to further like their service of God. And so for me, that is like a little bit of a conflict. I want to have, you know, nice things to serve God, but at the same time, I don't want to have, you know, 13 challah covers and you don't need to have 13 challah knives. This one is for this and this one is for that. And like, wh why do you need that? Why do you need to have three different kiddush cups? Isn't one enough? Like, there is a level of like, oh, we're, we need this to serve Hashem that I sometimes feel can be too much. And so I think that we have to really find the balance between, you know, the physical things and uh, the, 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 
the amount of physical things we have. And um, I'll give you an example. For Sukkot, uh, usually in the past, we've bought our boys uh, their own set of lulav and etrog. And I said to my husband, I'm like, you know, I'd rather if you spent this year a little more time on Kidur Mitzvah rather than buying each of them their own because they don't really still appreciate it yet. They're not bar mitzvah, so they don't really need it. They can all share. It's only like they can rotate the lulav and etrog between the three of them. And it's definitely something that is, uh, in my opinion, not necessary. I'm sure that there are some people who might disagree with me, but at this stage, I kind of thought it was wasteful. There's a lot of like, um, excess that goes into the demand, the supply and demand of, of, oops, sorry, of Lula Venetrog. And I didn't want them to, you know, go to waste. I mean, maybe there, there are probably a lot of them that end up going to waste anyways, but I kind of feel like, okay, we can share. It's okay for now. Um, and my boys, they thought about it and they're like, yeah, it's okay. We agree. We can share. And my dad always told me, he's like, when I was growing up, there, the rabbi had a lulav and etrog. Everybody came to shul and shook the rabbi's lulav and etrog. And Zehu, nobody had their own. Nobody could afford their own. And and I don't always know that it's just about being able to afford something. And I said, and, it, and it, I don't know. I, I definitely think there is like a fine line between having too much and 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 can we do the mitzvah better with one than than doing it, you know, with three. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but just uh something to think about so <laughs> anyways i got sort of got on a tangent a little bit although it's kind of related but in our homes physical things sometimes bring us joy even if they're not necessarily related to religious service physical things don't always have to enhance our prayer they can sometimes just make us feel complete they remind us of somebody that we love um or maybe they're useful and beautiful. They, they, they make you happy. And, and that's fine. So going back to the listener question, what the listener described to me, it doesn't sound extreme what she has. But that being said, it's very easy to cross over into worrisome territory and quickly amass too much stuff. And I want you to just sort of go back one week last week to ep- last, last week's episode. And, and if you need to listen to, again, the levels of hoarding that I talked about, And it's pretty easy to get from a level one, which can be like, I don't really need help or I just need a little bit of help or everything's sort of okay, to a level two where where you're just like completely out of control and or you're in the process of getting out of control. So just when you're thinking about what to decorate your home with, proceed with caution. Carefully curate the items. Think things through. Don't just make purchases. Yeah, it looks silly. It looks pretty on the the shelves in the store. Will it look pretty in my house? Will it really be useful? Do I have too much stuff? Can I get rid of something else? Like, make it be like a real thought through purchase. You have beautiful things. But again, the excess is excess. So I'm going to go on a little bit and I'm going to sort of switch gears a little bit. Um, Although it's sort of on the same vein. After the Jews cross the Yamsuf, the sea, they get to the desert and... They get to a city called Marais, and Marais, or Mal, um, means bitter. And they complained that the water there was too bitter to drink, and that's actually why they called the place Mal, Marais. I'm, I'm not sure. I can't remember now which one they call it. And Moshe throws a tree into the water, and it becomes sweet. 
and you know it's not enough that now they have water they are complaining why did you bring us to the desert we had food to eat in Egypt now we have nothing and God uh, decides that he's gonna bring the Jewish people mun and if you read the description about it it says that it's a very thin layer of dew and at first the people didn't know what it was <laughs> and and you know they get instructed they have to pick their own portion a certain amount allotted to them um, an omer is allotted to them per person and so if you have six people you could take six measures six omer um, if you took more than that their portions rotted with the that says the pasuk is specific and says it was rotten and worms came out except for on shabbat then you could take a double portion and Actually, I think this is God's way of showing us how hoarding is bad. <laughs> I never, ever thought of it this way, ever. And I probably could have saved it for when B'Shalach uh, is the Parsha HaShavua, the Parsha of the Week. But it was so interesting to me as I was learning it right now that I just wanted to share the idea with everybody. I, I learned the Perak and then I put down my Chumash uh, and I immediately went to set up this podcast because it was so like obvious to me I never ever even thought about it before it's a this single portion good for one day and you have to have faith that God is going to bring you what you need the next day you have to believe that what you need is going to show up and I think that there's a difference between you know modern day grocery shopping for a few days at a time and like expecting the man to come every morning because you know it is a schlep to go to the grocery store, and I don't think it's considered hoarding to buy a few days' worth of groceries. It's saving yourself a task, whereas all the Jews in the desert had to do was go out of their tents, and there they would find the man, right? So they didn't have, like, a lot of effort to procure food. But I think for us today, there is a lot more effort to food. But um, there's a difference between getting what we need for, let's say, a week or even two weeks um, versus getting, you know, 16 years worth of food. <laughs> and, and I think that that is something we should definitely remember. And not to mention that a lot of times we buy food and it goes bad. Um, I know someone who keeps a lot of food in her basement. She buys things when they go on sale and she just stocks up. She buys out the whole store and like mice come and eat the food. And, because it sits in her basement and you know what it gets bugs in it it goes rancid it's just, it, even shelf stable food doesn't have a forever shelf life so um I think it's a good idea to think twice about how much we're actually buying and going based on another phone call a lady called me and said oh I can't believe you buy so much grape juice at one time in my house we would drink it if we had so much but we don't drink grape juice so you have to find like we only drink it on Shabbat so you have to find like whatever the balance is for you in terms of what's going to be hoarding and what's going to be not hoarding <laughs> you know like carefully counting out of your foods in a glass bottle okay probably nothing's going to happen to them it would be a lot harder to damage it but buying food that you don't have any plan for mm, not so much. And I have to be honest, that phone call did make me think twice. I'll probably not buy as much grape juice altogether as once at once, even though we don't necessarily um, drink it outside of Shabbat. It's not like a, 
you know, thing for my kids. They don't ask if we can have grape juice during the week. We don't normally buy juice anyways. So they, you know, have milk or they have water and it's fine and they're fine. But the point is, is that there is definitely a borderline between what's acceptable with how much food you store and what's not acceptable. And I think that that is definitely apparent with MUN. Um, I have a client and I would say she's like a level one. We're not really working on her stuff so much. We mostly focus on time management. Um, she got mold in her basement. <laughs> it was a very, very bad case of mold and she needed to do mold remediation. So, um, she had a guy come and he told her she had to throw a lot of stuff away and she had a bunch of a lot of baby clothes that some of it we had stored properly in like plastic bins that were sealed airtight others were just stored in in cardboard boxes the boxes for sure had to be thrown out and all the clothes had to be washed and I'm like you know what she did like something like 20 loads of laundry from all the stuff that was in the basement that could be washed and and she had, um, uh, she has a closet in the basement that she stores things that she buys at Costco. I would say a good portion of the closet had to be thrown away. And it was a shame because it's a lot of money's worth of stuff and it just going in the garbage. And I said to her, I'm like, if you would have had a flood, everything would have been wet. If you would have two, three, four, five inches of water in your basement, you probably wouldn't have been able to salvage anything. Could you imagine between the water and the mold from that? Probably nothing would have been salvageable. So the point is, <laughs> what I want to get to really is that I think it's worthwhile for us to sort of remember the Jews in the desert. Treat each day as if food will go bad and take only what you what you actually need. Don't worry so much about, you know, having stuff available um, in, in, in a heartbeat. I had also another client and she said to me once, I could make Sheva Brochos for 40 people with, you know, just a couple hours notice. And because, you know, she had all this stuff stored in her house. And I'm like, I could probably do the same thing. And I don't have any of that stuff stored in my house. So I don't think it's a matter of having the stuff readily available to you. Definitely, if it's in the house, it probably will save you a good hour, but it's not always exactly what you need. It's not always exactly right. Um, I don't know. I, it just seems it's a lot to me. And the burden of having so much stuff in the house always around and thinking about, will it go bad? Will it be good? Uh, when I go to open it thinking that I have it and then it's rotten, that's the worst. When I think that I have something and then I find out that, you know, it went bad in the fridge. That's like the worst feeling. Like I thought I had parsley, but nope, it rotted because I forgot to store it properly. So like, I, you know, I just want you to remember that it's important to make sure that even on the food level, we're, we're not hoarding because food waste is a massive, massive problem in Israel, in the U.S., across the world. It's a massive problem and it, it makes me sad. Food waste makes me so sad because a lot of food waste can be prevented if we're just a little more conscientious about what we're using. And I'm not even talking about food waste like what we scrape off our plates at the end of the at the end of a meal. I'm talking about gr what grocery stores throw away, what 
doesn't even make it to the grocery store because it gets rotten before it even gets to the grocery store. There's just a big, big problem with food waste. And I think even what we buy and sometimes put in our fridge, how, how much stuff are you really throwing away at the end of the week before you go shopping again? I think that we've done pretty well. We, we've really like been more conscientious about our food waste. Um, but I hope that, that talking about this and seeing this example of, you know, wandering Jews in the desert being conscientious about what they waste with their food, um, it's, I hope that it will be a good example. I just want to say one side thing is that I also read a Midrash that the, the Jews who actually went into um, the land of Israel after the desert, um, after the Jews who had um, come out of Egypt had died. So in the 40 years, it was like a brand new generation. The new generation was like shocked and surprised <laughs> that, you know, food in order to get food once they got into Israel, they needed to plant it in the ground. And they were shocked and surprised at how much effort went into growing food. And so I think if you think think a little bit, I think we're very disconnected from where our food comes from and um, how our food gets to us. And so if you could just step back a little bit and even teach your children, this is how, how things grow. Take you know, take a minute to plant some seeds with your kids just so they can see the process because it, it's a good for them to understand how we're connected to food. We actually cut off the top of a pineapple we bought <laughs> and I took the bottom leaves off and I planted it outside. And every day the kids are like, we're watching it. Where, when's the pineapple going to grow? <laughs> and, and it's nice. The leaves are huge and big and like it's growing and it's going to come out eventually. But the thing is, is that now they're like more, much more connected. Last year, we grew some lettuce and some cucumbers. And my son, every night when he walked in, he just took, tore a piece of lettuce off of the, the planter and he ate a piece of lettuce straight from the, I mean, it, it was a little bit gross. <laughs> but I told him, I'm like, just look at it, check it, make sure there's no dirt, no bugs. And he, you know, he really understood like where he has a much deeper understanding now of where food comes from and how important it is to use what you have. And so while I hope from today you take a take away <laughs> that, you know, it's important not to hoard food and not to waste food and to think about menu planning. Um, I know this is a problem area for me, menu planning, because I hate thinking about food. You all know that I hate thinking about food. But it's an area that I'm working on and getting better at. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast and I'm looking forward to speaking to you all next week. Have a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.
Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.